Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Last week I spoke to you about the transformative power of the Word of God. That the Word of God in and of itself contains power to transform to perform itself, to make things happen. One of the things I said is that the pattern of thinking that has gotten you to where you are in your journey with God, in your level of maturity, is the same pattern of thinking that is keeping you where you are. We're grateful to God that we're not where we were, that we have grown, some fast, some slower. And that's okay. Progress is progress. Don't Don't measure your progress by anybody else. You measure your progress according to your own conscience and according to your revelation of God. But the truth is that while we can celebrate progress, we can also get stuck where we are and miss the progress that is available to us in the time and season that we are in, through the times and the circumstances that we are in. You understand that every circumstance, relational circumstances, Financial circumstances, social circumstances present us with opportunities, if we look at them through God's eyes, for progress in our faith, for growth in our faith, for greater realizations of the presence and the power of God. The verse I read to you last week was Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, which said, Paul writing said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so we understand that the power of this message, the power of the message of the gospel is, goes beyond just the fact that Jesus can save, because that brings us into faith, but it goes on and it grows from that level of faith to another level of faith. And there's a continual growth and progression that ought to be the evidence of the life of the believer. If we remain at the same level of grace, the same level of faith, we are not growing. We are stagnating. And how many of you know that God is on the move? The kingdom of, the, of God is an advancing kingdom. And so if we are camping, if we're staying, guess what's going to happen? We get left behind, and then playing catch-up is difficult. We also spoke about Isaiah 55 and the things that Isaiah said about the Word of God, that his thoughts and his ways are above our ways, that every time he speaks a word, it always accomplishes what he sent it out to do. And so we understand that within the Word of God is tremendous power if we learn how to wield it, how to use it, how to apply it. We understand that the the power in the Word of God is not just that we know about it, but that it somehow finds traction in our heart to shift us internally and to change the way we think and behave. You see, the question of of whether God's Word is true and powerful is is not... not, uh, That's a fact. That's not up for question. The question that we need to ask ourselves is whether we have proven the power of that word in our own lives? And that's the question I want to ask you this morning. I believe that's the question God would be asking us in this time and this season. Because you and I are all in different places. 
spiritually in our development. We're all facing different circumstances and different challenges. And many of us, you know, I understand I'm looking over a group of people who I've known well and have loved for many, many years. We've walked together and journeyed together for a long time. I know, therefore, that by virtue of that, we've all heard a lot of the Word of God. We've all been under this ministry and under this teaching for a long time. To what degree has that ministry truly impacted our hearts and shifted us on and forward in our walk with God? To what degree? You can evaluate that for yourself. It's not for me to judge. Romans 12, verse 2, it's a verse we're familiar with, says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the continual renewing of your mind that you may prove. And the Amplified Bible says, For yourself, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you? You see, it's not enough to know about it. We, I mean, I love chapters of the Bible like Hebrews chapter 11. It's one of my favorites going into chapter 12. It talks about how by faith Abraham came out and by faith Moses led the people out and by faith David and by faith this one and that one. And we read the stories of how people's journey with God through their faith led to lives not without challenge. In fact, through their faith probably with more challenge but lives of experiential grace, of experiential provision, of experiential empowerment and anointing because they didn't just hearken back to a time or think back to a story, but they were willing to take the promise of God, not just as a generic promise, but a promise to me, a promise that I desire to see come into effect in my life, that I may walk in this grace, in this peace, in this joy, in this love, in this freedom and liberty. God wants us to prove His Word is true for ourselves. That's what faith does. Faith lays hold of that, it believes it, and it, it, it walks it out. And as we do that, our faith is strengthened and it grows. And that's a journey. We grow in that. None of us arrive with mountain-moving faith. It's something we grow in. And many times in my journey of faith, I've fallen flat on my face, trying to believe God for something, not realizing that, um, that my faith wasn't at the level it needed to be. I couldn't see. I'll, I'll never forget many years ago, I was sitting at a meeting with, with Pastor Andreas in the corporate house of prayer with a whole group of pastors, and I had had a toothache for three days. And I was just standing and believing for healing in agony believing for healing, trusting that this tooth would be fine. And I mean, I had an abscess, turns out, and I was sitting there in just agony and pain. And eventually Andreas looked over to me and said, Michael, go to the dentist. In other words, you're trying to believe for something you haven't, you're not walking in that level of faith yet. It's evident you're not walking in that level of faith yet. And I fell on my face in my faith. I, I, I realized, you know, it's not that I failed, that God didn't love me, that healing didn't work. I had not, in my heart of hearts, come to the revelation of God's healing to the point where I was able to appropriate it in that sense in my life, in that time and season. And so what did I have to do? I had to, I had to go and lean on somebody else. 
I had to go and rely on somebody else. But through that experience, I learned something. You see, you can either... What do they say when you fail? You can either learn or you can... No one's helping me. Okay, never mind. The evidence of a, of a life that is lived in intimacy with Jesus is that there are people who, through the intimacy of that relationship, are walking out and living out their faith in a very tangible, very real, very practical way of huge dependence on Him. They're no longer dependent upon themselves and upon their own ability, but their dependence has shifted. Not just that they throw their hands up in the air and say, okay, now God's going to do all of this, but in the way that they go about their lives. They lean on the promises of God and depend on those in an evidential way. The power of the Word of God is only unlocked and released through faith and obedience. Although there's power in the Word, it remains locked up until we truly believe and obey it. And folks, let's be honest. We cannot say we believe something that we do not live out and act on. We can't say we believe it. Because what we're really saying then is that we, we have come in our Western world to, to understand that believing is just something we can do with our minds. But faith is not of the mind. Amen? Did you get that? Faith is not of the mind. It's not something I can mentally assent to. Faith is something of the heart. It's something that, is able, that, that, that carries within it the ability to lay hold of a truth and wholeheartedly depend on it despite what the mind says. Faith is obviously often makes no sense to the mind at all. But because it's not based on natural reasoning, it is based solely on the Word of God. And if we're not acting on it, folks, we tr don't truly believe it. James 1.22 says, Don't... Uh, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Self-deception is a terrible thing. It's something we're all guilty of to one degree or another. But self-deception, it goes a little bit like this. Because I think I understand something, because I know about something, therefore that something is operational and effective in my life. And that's just not true. That's just not true. You know about, who's our president? Cyril Ramaphosa. You probably know quite many things about him. How many of you know Cyril Ramaphosa personally? Many of you know about millions of rands. How many of you can manage millions of rands? It's one thing to think you know about things. But it's another thing to walk it out. And the truth is that the value we place on the Word of God determines what we will get out of it. If we sort of, if the, if the Word of God is just a casual thing, it's a common thing to us, it has no influence. It's just more information. In an age where information is certainly at its, you know, information is all over the place. And when the Bible and the Word of God sort of just comes into that same kind of sphere in our heads or in our hearts, it's just more information just from a different source. It has no impact on us. We can't take it as a common thing. It needs to be special. A really good example of this is, is, my, is my children, especially Liliana. Last year, there were some things. She, her teacher's name was Mrs. Howell. 
And no matter what I said, no matter what my opinion was on any matter, it was Mrs. Howell's opinion that mattered. Because Mrs. Howell is very clever, Dad. Literally, Mrs. Howell knows everything. Now, that's no, there's no more room for me to argue with anything Mrs. Howell says there, isn't it? So I get smart, and I speak to Mrs. Howell, and I say, by the way, would you mind just saying this or that? And then because Mrs. Howell says it, it gets done. It's believed. Why? Because my word is just a common thing in the house, right? I see Dad every day. He's just Dad. Now, of course, there's ways and means to make my voice a little less common. But the point is that great weight in her little heart was placed on what her teacher said. She adored her teacher. And it's wonderful to have good teachers that our kids adore who shape their hearts and shape their thinking. It's a, it's a wonderful gift from God. But you see, many of us don't come with that same level of adoration when we approach the Word of God, do we? Sometimes it's just another day. It's just some more words. It's just more information. But it doesn't truly convict. It doesn't truly inspire. It doesn't truly bring out praise and action. And so, despite the fact that God's Word has transformative power, it remains unapplied. Philippians 2, verse 12, Paul writes, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not, uh, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, Paul in one place says, the, the, the gospel of Jesus is the power of God unto salvation. But then in Philippians he says, that salvation you receive through the word of God needs to be worked out. We need to do something with it. And it, look here, it doesn't say work for your salvation. No, that's taken care of. Jesus has done that. But it says work out your salvation. It's not so much whether or not you have salvation. The question is, what are you doing with the salvation you have? That's the question. What am I doing with this gift, with this grace? The New Living Translation says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. That talks about determination. That talks about application, effort. Amen? You see, folks, if our faith isn't actively engaged, it doesn't grow. It stagnates. And what happens ultimately is we leak dry. And then instead of representing life and vitality that comes from above through the power of the Holy Spirit, what happens is we begin looking like, thinking like, behaving like the world around us. The Bible says we ought to be a peculiar people because we're not motivated by the same things of the world. We're not driven or inspired by the same things of the world. And the writer in his letter to the, to the Hebrews, I'm going to read to you a few, a few verses from Hebrews, starting in chapter 5 and verse 12, encountered this problem. He came to a group of believers who had had the Word of God, who knew about salvation, who had been walking in this, but yet he found that in their spiritual state they had gotten stuck, they had not grown. And he says to them, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. In other words, you ought to be able to lead by example and show others how to walk the walk of faith. 
but instead you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. Say unskilled. What does that mean? How do you develop a skill? Through practice. There's only one way to learn a skill. I didn't learn how to play that guitar by reading a book on how to play the guitar. Now, books pointed me in the right direction of what to do, but I had to get my fingers on that fretboard and feel the pain. (laughs) I had to spend the hours to learn that skill. And the truth is, if I'm honest with you, my guitar playing, it pains me to say, is stagnate, stagnant. I haven't been putting in the hours I used to put in to improve the way I play. Why? Because I can do what I need to do well enough to do what I need to do. My heart's desire really is to get time to sit and to learn again and to grow again. It's just that's not high enough on my priority. But you understand the principle. The same thing is true with spiritual matters. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So in other words, they've taken the word of God, not as just some information, but have endeavored to put it into practice. Sometimes with great success, and they grow. Other times, missing the mark and failing, but yet having the grace of God work with them to teach them through the process to grow and learn from it. I don't know about you. That's been my experience over these years. You know, I hear testimonies and stories like Siobhan. One day he's reading his Bible. Bible says, oh, apparently we can pray for people and they'll get healed. So he runs to his friend's house and says, I believe your mom is sick. Let's pray for her. Let her get healed. And what happened? She got healed. I don't know about you, but that annoys me. (laughs) Not that she got healed, but that it came so easily and quickly to him. No, my development has been slow and progressive, but there it is. It is there nonetheless. And I've learned through my failures I've learned through my victories, and I am continually learning, both through my failures and my victories. But the only way I'm going to learn, the only way I'm going to grow is by continually applying, reaching out for, going after. He goes on to say, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. What does perfection mean? Wholeness, completeness in faith. Lacking nothing is what it means. In other words, your faith is not lacking in any area. You've come to a place of maturity where you're no longer dependent on anybody else's faith, but your faith is now sustaining your walk with God and leading you along the way. You're able to discern good from evil. You're able to be led by the Spirit, hear the voice of God, be led by Him, flow in gifts and anointings according to the Spirit of God. You're not calling the pastor every two minutes to say, Pastor, please pray. Oh, I need help in this. I need help in that. Now, praise God for pastors. I'm here to help. That's my role. That's my job. But you know what? If I'm... My children are a good example again. 
I say to people, I'm in that sweet spot of parenting. My kids sleep through the night. They're potty trained. No more nappies. They can feed themselves. They can bath and wash themselves. And when I come home in the evening, I'm still the hero. Daddy! And they come running. How long that'll last? I pray forever. (laughs) The point is, if I'm still having to spoon feed my children, there's a problem. Amen? Because it means they haven't developed the basic skills that they need for life. Folks, many believers in the church today have heard some gospel message of being saved through Christ Jesus. And hallelujah, they have been sincerely and totally and wholeheartedly born again in the image of Christ. But they have never learned how to take that salvation and walk it out for themselves. Their their journey with God and their spiritual development remains dependent upon other people. Now, what does that mean in a situation like now that we've just been in this pandemic where they can no longer go and be around people who will coach them and spoon feed them? What does that mean for their faith? Man, we've got to grow up fast. And Paul says here, the writer here says, you know, you should be teaching other people, but still you need somebody to feed you with milk. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Verse 11 says, We desire that each one of you show the same sincere diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience endured the promises. Uh, Sorry, inherit the promises. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. You see, perfection here, like I've said, it means to come to maturity. And the truth is that many will only discover what their faith is really made of when their faith is all they have left. Many have no idea what their faith is made of because they haven't put it to use. They haven't proven its worth for themselves. They haven't personally grappled in their prayer closet with God concerning an issue until they found His Word, until they found His heart and His mind on the subject and moved and aligned their hearts with that mind and acted accordingly to see His divine power at work in and through their lives. Not once or twice, but habitually and continually. They're still reliant either on themselves or on the ways of the world around them. Folks, I understand that it's hard to leave what seems to be stable and secure. The world paints a picture of what looks like stability. If you've got some money in the bank, you're okay. If you've got this, you're okay. And these things look stable and secure. But the Bible teaches us that the only thing that is stable and secure is Jesus. He is the only one that doesn't change from yesterday until tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the only sure foundation. He is the only rock upon which we can build our eternal destiny. But often what looks good is the enemy of that which is best. That you may prove for yourself what is the good and perfect will of God for your life. Thomas Edison once said, discontent is the first necessity of progress. Are you satisfied with the level of your faith? 
Are you satisfied with your level of intimacy with God? Are you satisfied with your ability to hear God's voice? To be led by the Spirit? Or are you wanting more? You see, you know there is more. The Bible promises us more. But yet so often we fail to progress because we become satisfied where we are. Or just so distracted we're not even giving it any thought. Again in the book of Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. This is the apostle. He says we need to push on to perfection. He's saying, I'm not saying I've, I've arrived yet, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Folks, in our hearts, we know we haven't arrived yet. (laughs) In fact, maybe I should put it this way. In our heads, we know we haven't arrived yet. But in our hearts, maybe that's where it needs to sink in. Maybe sometimes we're so, we, we, we sit really cushy in the, the, the couch of God's grace. <laughs> but we can't progress with God with one eye on our past. That's why the thinking that has got you to where you are is the thinking that is keeping us where we are. And when I say I have to let go of my past, I I mean I have to let go of my past failure. I have to let go of my past sin. But you know what? I also have to let go of my past success. I also have to let go of my past victories. Why? Because we identify ourselves by those things, don't we? We either beat ourselves over the head or we puff ourselves up. We've got to let go of everything that has been. Praise God for what He has done. But folks... There's, I don't know if you can sense it. There's something in the Spirit that there's something new God is wanting to bring us into. Now, is that perpetually the case? Yes, it's true, always. It's always true. I love when people stay up prophetically and say, God's wanting to do a new thing. Sounds very fancy. It's always true. <laughs> it's always true. But there are seasons where God really calls us to cooperate with Him. There, there are seasons and times of transition where God says, not only am I doing a new thing, I really am bringing you into it now. Cooperate with me. Work with me. We must be willing to let go of what we know, of what we find comfort or strength in that is outside of Him, that we may journey with Him. You see, it's important to discern where we are and what it is that is keeping us from progressing in our walk with the Lord. It's very simple. I don't want to overcomplicate this, You know what struggles and things you are dealing with. You know what your days look like, what your timelines look like. Don't kid yourself that God is your highest priority when you find no time for Him in your week. That's self-deception. That's the kind of stuff James is talking about. Don't call yourself a man or a woman of prayer when when you can't sit for longer than five minutes to pray. Ouch. If you can't say amen, say a-na. 
Can we call ourselves disciples of Jesus? If the simplicity of sitting at his feet and hearing his voice on a daily basis is not a part of our everyday life. There's, there's, there's a measure of application that is required before we can receive the measure of grace or faith that we require. And so we need to know what is keeping us. If it, is, it, is it work? Are we just too busy? Is it misprioritizing things? Because, folks, progress requires change. And if you are wanting to progress in your faith, if you are wanting to progress in your intimacy with God, it's not going to come just by some prayer that I could pray over you on a Sunday morning. It can only come through spiritual disciplines of prayer, of fasting, of worship, of application and giving myself to the study of God's Word. Which means that if that's not in place in my life, something has to change, something has to give way. I need to make room and put other things aside to focus on that. You know, lives are busy. You know, there comes a point where you kind of need to put your, your hand on the desk of your life with all its clutter and its papers and its reminders and its pens and all its things and just kind of go and let it all fall to the floor with the clatter and a bang so that with a clean slate you can wait before God. Forgetting all of those things that have been. Forgetting all of those victories and failures. And just me and God dealing with my heart, dealing with my anxieties, dealing with my prejudices and my mindsets. And I want to ask... I want to ask you this morning, you know, as you've been taking notes, so many of you, write down this as a final note. What changes do I need to make? This is not high stuff. This is not complicated stuff. This is very simple stuff. For you to look at your life and say, if I want to move on with God, something's got to give. Where do I start? And folks, if you currently have no quiet time, please don't start by trying to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and have two hours before you even go to work. It'll last one day, maybe. Reasonable steps. Remember, progress is progress. And as we journey, there'll be times where God will nudge us and say, come on, you can do better than that. There's other times where in our zealousness we, we run too fast and God will say, whoa, patience, slowly, slowly. But little by little. Tomorrow morning, devotionals are going to start going out. Start there. Give yourself half an hour, 15 minutes, whatever you can manage, 20 minutes, half an hour, to be in the presence of God. And allow His Word, with all its power, to come into your heart in such a way that it finds expression. Expression in prayer back to God. Expression through application and a shifting of faith, saying, God, I believe this, I'm going to stand on this. And we needs be acting on it. These simple things, these simple steps, day by day, are what give us or what cause spiritual growth in our lives. Simple. But yet in the busyness we forget. Folks, would you stand with me? I'd like to just pray this morning. Um, and you can join with me as I say, Heavenly Father, 
thank you for the power of your word. That in your word, your power resides. I pray, Father, this morning that you would help me to sow your word in my heart daily. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help me to stand on it, to believe it, and to apply it. We thank you this morning, Father, for spiritual growth and development that comes as we cooperate with your word and with your spirit. We ask, Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand and obey the word you speak to us. Thank you for the new season you are bringing us into. Thank you for new experiences in the Spirit. Thank you for new dimensions of faith and love and victory in your wonderful Son's name. Amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.